0: by finances, investing, estate and retirement planning? Well, I went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances and with Kathy and Jennifer. Welcome to Finances and
1: 10 Bad Money Moves. I'm Jennifer and I'm here with Kathy. This week we were thinking about ways we could correct
0: financial mistakes people may have made due to bad advice or through a misunderstanding. So the first thing that I've been talking about lately is the idea of not paying off your student loans quickly and not putting enough money towards that. You need to not put off your student loan, even if it's a very large amount. You want to make sure that you're paying down what you can. Nearly half the students who start college don't finish. So they end up leaving with a debt and they're not going to get the same pay scale they had hoped to when they went into college. So it's harder for them to repay. That loan doesn't go away because you haven't finished your education there. So make sure that you are repaying on your loan because if you don't, it's going to hurt your credit. And that loan, as I said, does not go away. It's going to continue to grow with interest. Something you could do is if you have a steady job, then you could consider consolidating
1: your loans into one or refinancing the loan. It's not a guarantee to get refinancing, but a smaller interest rate on a loan can mean hundreds of dollars a month in savings. You could make extra payments whenever you can enroll in auto pay so you don't put off your debt. Instead, you're paying it first. And there are also lower interest rates for auto pay options because they know that they're going to get their money. So that's a good thing for you to do too. You could pay biweekly every two weeks instead of monthly, because if you do that, then that's going to add up to one extra payment a year, saving interest costs as well. So an example with that would be if you have a $20,000 loan payment or $20,000 in debt at 7% interest over a 10-year loan, then you're going to pay that off 13 months sooner with almost $950 in savings if you pay biweekly instead of monthly. That's something... I wouldn't have thought of. That's really good advice. I like
0: that. So to be able to do those extra payments, like she's talking about making extra payments when you can, or finding a way to do the bi-monthly payments, you can always, our classic, you can get a side hustle. But you know, you can also ask for you know birthday money versus actual gifts. Sometimes your employers will help pay back, repay loans. You can use bonuses that you know you're going to get, allocate them ahead of time so that you know that that's going to go towards your student loan. Or you can start to say to yourself, I'm going to allocate a certain percent of my first raise to paying off my student debt a little bit sooner. So they might say you have 10 years to do it. That does not mean you need to take all 10 years to pay off your student loan. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So the second piece of bad advice you may have been given is to spend without having a budget or a spending plan. It's really easy to get into debt by doing this if you don't plan for expected and unexpected things. Unexpected costs can pop up at any time. Hospital bills... If you lose your job, all of that can contribute to a large set of bills that come at you very quickly. So putting aside some money to plan for these inevitable costs can really help you in the long run. So even if it's only ten dollars a month, that's gonna help pay for those needs that might come up unexpectedly. We might think that ten dollars isn't enough because you're thinking, oh, it's gonna be a big, a big bill. But We often don't really need that money if we're just putting away, you know, $10 is kind of an easy amount to put away so that once the time comes, you will have done that for a long period of time and you'll have a good start at paying down whatever debt you may be incurring. So your savings really suffer without a savings plan and waiting to pay yourself last means that it almost never happens. So that's why you know we like to say pay yourself first. When you get paid, put that money in savings or put it towards your loans or whatever it is. Do that first and get it get it out of the way. Otherwise, you're probably not going to have it at the end of the month.
0: So recently I worked on a spending plan and we looked at putting money specifically into savings first and making sure that there was Money allocated each time to a number of different spending buckets to make sure that those are being paid off so that the goals that they have for their spending gets covered in the future versus that being the last thing that happens. And the honest truth is that will grow, right? Even if it's only growing $100 a month or $10 a month or whatever they end up allocating to it, they will be able to see that growth. And that alone is enough to make you keep working towards whatever your goal because you can see that continue to grow. Number three is not checking your credit reports. It's probably a fact of life now that your credit cards are going to get hacked or the store you're shopping at is going to get hacked, which means your credit is at risk. You want to make sure that you check your credit score, but more importantly, your credit report, because your credit score is going to be adversely affected if you don't catch errors that are going on in your credit report. Now, You can look carefully at your bills and and make sure that what you've charged is what's on there. You can also set up your credit card accounts to text you with alerts to come to your phone with your purchase so that you see when something is ordered. For example, I don't know, you're sitting on your couch and then you get a text saying you just bought a coat in New York City. You know, if that happened to you like it did me, then you would be able (laughs) to really react to that. Your credit reports are handled by three agencies, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Each one of these credit reporting agencies do offer you one download a year for free. You can, When you go there, they're happy to take your money, but know that somewhere on that page, they will give you one free download. What that means is that if you choose to, you can space out those three different credit reporting agencies to equal a year's worth of checking on your credit report. Go to the free. If you're, let's just start with Experian. You go, you download it personally, save it as a PDF, and then you can keep it on your computer and, or you can print it, whichever you feel better about, but at least you'll have that on your computer if you'd like, and then scan that for anything that may not be true. What you're looking at is a list of all the accounts that you have had and currently have that are open and the status of their payment. Have they been paid on time? Are they 30 days late, 60 days late? worse than that. So you can keep an eye on it. And obviously what you're looking for is making sure that these accounts that you're paying on time are being shown as paid on time. You can then contact that agency if you're seeing a discrepancy and let them know what the problem is. You're going to do all of this in writing though, just so you know, you can't call someone and they fix it. But you can start the paper trail of being able to say, My credit card was stolen. They bought this thing. I didn't know about it. I didn't pay the bill or they open an account in my name, which is actually worse because you really may not know that that account has been opened in your name until you check these reports. So if I, for example, checked on my Experian credit report in November, which is where we are now, I could stagger and check my TransUnion account in, say, February, and then my Equifax account in July. And that way, I get a whole year's worth of reports quarterly, basically, at no cost to me. So I don't have to pay anything extra to get these. And I can just spread them out over the year and easily just keep an eye on what my credit report is. Now, this is not your credit score. This is your credit report, but the scores are done based on your credit report.
1: Genius. I would not have thought of that to stagger it that way and take one from each different company. That's a good idea. Number four, skipping the fine print in contracts how many of us are guilty of this? (laughs) There are so many things. It seems like everything you do now, every email you get, every purchase you make, and I mean, everything, there's some sort of huge contract that nobody wants to read. And you often just hit accept and move on to make your life easier. The difficult thing about that, just accepting it and moving on, is that these can often contain surprise fees, interest rates or new terms that you're probably thinking, oh, that's not going to happen to me or it's, you know, it's fine. But these things can happen to you. So you really want to know what you're saying yes to when you accept all those terms and conditions. Credit card interest rates sometimes change after a year. So you might look at it, you might look at it and initially think there are no interest rates for the first year, but then it might go up after that. So just pay attention and look for things like that. Taking out cash may have a different rate than credit and late fees may be huge. So these are just things that you really want to look for in all of those terms and conditions. It can seem deceptive, but by being attentive to, de- to these details, you won't be surprised by anything like this.
0: Luckily now, banks and credit cards have to very predominantly show what your interest rate is, what your monthly payments will be, how much your interest will equal if you only make the minimum payments. That's a gift because otherwise you're doing a lot of math calculations to try and figure it out. So that's one of the industry standards now is that they have to show you in a very large predominant place there on your bill. So it helps you to start making choices on How fast you're going to pay something off, and it's not quite so sneaky as it may have appeared in the past. Number five mistake is holding on to a stock that's losing its value. If you have a stock that the price starts to dip and that's fine. It prices, the Stock prices are going to go up and down. That that's You should expect that to happen. But you need to have a reason for knowing why you're taking that loss. In other words, you know that they didn't release a product when they said they were going to. So there's a reason that your stock price might be taking that dip at that time. That's great. Again, that's being an informed consumer and understanding what it is you bought and the companies that you're buying a piece of. But if you don't think they have a good reason for their price, Price to be dropping, and you hold on to that stock because you think, hey, I've just lost some money. I'm going to hold on to it until it goes back up again with no reason to think that it will go back up again that's the mistake. So we are as people averse to loss and it's a quirk of our financial thinking. We think to ourselves, I'd rather avoid a loss than try to achieve a gain. We don't consider that money we've spent already is lost. It's a sunk cost. If we buy a ticket to that ball game that we talked about a few weeks ago, that money has been spent on that ball game ticket that is a sunk cost for us. Do not hold on to stocks just because you've lost some money on them. And then you ride it all the way down to the bottom so that now you've lost double your money or triple your money, sell it and take your loss soon. If you have reason to believe it won't come up again, the price of it will not come up again. You know what? And it's almost like I don't know about you, but if you're selling something on Facebook, for example, and you're thinking, hey, I've got this couch I want to sell and I paid $1,000 for it, so I'm going to sell it for $800. Great. But if no one is going to pay you $800 for your couch, you're just holding on to it because you paid $1,000 for it. You're making that same sunk cost mistake. You need to consider what is it that you can sell it for? And whatever that number is, that's what you should, it might be a loss, but if it's not going to sell for more than the, the cost that people are willing to pay for it, sell it. It it is a loss. You got to use it. You enjoyed it. But now you're going to be able to get whatever you can in the free market. For example, having a gym membership or even um, some kind of a TV package, you know, Roku or, or Netflix or something, that money's already been spent. Once you've started paying those monthly premiums for it, you can still just cancel your membership and get out of it. I know you've spent money. I know you've lost money on it if you haven't been to the gym, but it doesn't mean you need to continue to belong just because you've already paid money in the past for it. Canceling it and getting out and making a better choice with this money is a better way to go than just holding on to it. I know of someone who literally the couch story had this thousands and thousands of dollars worth of couch, had to move out of their home, put this couch in storage because it was an expensive couch and now has been paying for storage fees for four or five years. I don't even know what that comes to for a couch that is now four or five years older than it was when they put it in storage. They should have sold that at a loss four or five years ago. And it's only a loss in their mind, right? I mean, they haven't actually lost money. They use the couch. Now they have to sell the couch. So we start thinking I'm going to lose money. So I'm going to hold on to it until it comes back. And there's lots of situations that it's not going to come back. Number six is impulse buying. Let's face it.
1: We're all at home a lot right now. (laughs) And we are, you know, we're not able to go out and eat as often. We're looking around our house and we start thinking about things that we could buy. (laughs) Things that we could buy new. Things at our house that we might need for our house. We're also online. A lot of people are online a lot. And so it's really easy to be sent emails or browse a website or get a Facebook ad and be tempted to click that to see what the deal is. We see all these extras or we see all the free extras and assume that it must be a good buy because we're getting something with it for free or we're getting some some sort of really good deal with it. We use our heuristics, which are unconsciously held beliefs. To quickly make choices. It is an instinctual thing, kind of like fight or flight. It might be something that makes you feel good in the moment, but in the long run, it would not have been a great decision.
0: So just ask yourself, does this fit into your budget? I mean, if it does, you've, you already have budgeted for being able to click on here and buy it, go for it. If it's not, you could try things like waiting a day, putting it in your basket online and decide if you really want it or it was just, you know, sweet in the moment and you thought you might get it. That also works that sometimes they'll come back to you depending on the company and say, hey, you have this thing in your basket, you know, here's a coupon for your patient's. I know that my daughter and I sometimes will send pictures of ourselves in clothes in a dressing room. Now, I haven't been in a dressing room in months. You're just looking for an opinion and asking someone else, you know, do you do you think this is something that I need? So, again, asking someone, is this something I should be buying? Do you love it? Because if you don't love it right now, you're not going to fall in love with it later. If you know that you tend to buy during emotional times, and I think this might qualify easily as an emotional time in all of our lives, you want to identify that. And then you can contact a friend or family member and just say, hey, I'm feeling like this. And, or you don't have to even identify it. Just when you feel like it, Contact someone else and just talk with them. So maybe that whole sense of, I need to buy this to make me feel better in the will pass in the moment. We like to call that retail therapy. Uh, yes. Not a good yeah. idea. Thanks <laughs> to asking someone else. Yes. <laughs> and clearly, don't compare yourself to others. I mean, that's easy to say, but I mean, if that's what motivates you to buy things and you don't have the money to buy it, you need to stop. Mm-hmm. If being on social media triggers you, by seeing things on Facebook or TikTok or anything else, if that's a trigger for you, maybe hop off of those things for a little while if you're going to end up spending too much money or spending money, quite honestly, you don't have. That's the problem. I've also seen online a number of people who take no spend months or a no spend month other than buying absolutely spending plan, you know, food or things like that, they don't spend any other money. And people who are really good at it slowly will buy even food over the previous month so that they can truly be a no spend month. And it's a game, right? I mean, if you, I win because I was able to do it. I think that's a great game if you're able to play that. Yeah, or you could even do
1: specific categories. So you could say, I'm not gonna buy any new clothes this month, or I'm not gonna buy coffee this month, or you know, whatever something is a possible trigger for you, focus on that thing to cut out for and for a month could be helpful for you. Number seven, falling victim to today versus tomorrow. Retirement may seem really far away, but it seems that 75% of Americans, this is a huge number. of Americans have only $30,000 or less saved for retirement. This alone should stop you from spending. Once you're past the age of physically or mentally being able to work, then what are you going to live on? So if you don't know how to get started with this, there's tons of information online. Get online, watch videos. You can contact your church or other resources that you have. You can ask your county if they have counselors that can help you plan. If you can't afford a financial planner yet, sometimes financial counseling services can be offered free through work or other avenues. So there's plenty of ways for you to seek out research to help you start planning for tomorrow instead of just thinking about what you're spending today. And that's a huge thing. Like when we think about, you know, Kathy said, putting things off or waiting to buy something. That's something that, you know, we often tell ourselves too. we kind of compare it or think about our our future goals. Like, okay, I could buy this coffee or I could put it towards whatever goal pretty far in the future, retirement, a house, whatever it is. So that's helpful.
0: Honestly, I, I just have nightmares about being I don't know, 75, 80, 85, and having to work because I don't have money in savings, right? That is, that's terribly scary. I mean, I'll be honest. And so the idea that people don't have money put away, what do you live on at that point? Where do you live at that point? And we're not talking about a couple hundred people. This is saying 75% of Americans have $30,000 or less that's not a lot to live on for the rest of your life. And and again, you're old, you're going to have a lot of medical bills. So trying to find ways to take care of yourself at that point, that, that's scary. So just do your best to start saving and utilize any of the free resources you can for financial planning. Because I know in my county, they offer it for free. If you contact the county and say you need help with things, financial advice they have, just it's something you're going to have to seek out. People aren't going to come find you and offer you free financial advice. Or if they do, you don't want those people's free advice. (laughs) Number eight, spending money to show your love for people. You know, it's a fallacy that, you know, if if I spend money on someone, then they'll know how much more I love them. And that's an easy way to get trapped into spending money that you don't need to spend. And one way that can happen, though, is even offering or saying yes to co-signing a loan for a family member or new love in your life. This debt is yours. And- you will have to pay it. If the person that you're co-signing with does not pay their part, it becomes your debt and it will show up on your credit report. You know, and if they're not able to keep up their end, you will get to keep up their end and your end of paying it. Merging your bank accounts too soon. If there's a breakup and money is going to be split at best, all that money is going to go 50-50, but at worst, your account can be emptied prior to you having access again to your account. So you just want to make sure that you're merging accounts when it's the right time to merge them. Don't ignore the spending habits in a new relationship of your partner. Seek any financial therapy. If you guys don't agree on when to spend or how to spend, it is a great way to save a relationship because this is somebody that you're gonna have to have money with that you know, falling victim to today versus tomorrow. You're gonna need that money in the long run and making sure that you both are On the same page with how to spend and when to spend.
1: Number nine is buying a new car when a used one will work just fine. You want to compare and use consumer reports to compare used models of cars and look for years and types that appeal to you. You pay lower taxes on a lower cost vehicle, which is a great benefit. It's going to be a less expensive loan to pay that you'll be able to pay off sooner and you could possibly even pay in cash. Depreciation will be minimal so that when you sell, you'll recoup far more of what you paid. You'll have less debt if you're financing.
0: So maybe you have to buy the lowest model of a brand new car without all the bells and whistles, where if you get a used car, you're getting a used higher version model of that vehicle. So with Consumer Reports, you're able to check on the model that you're interested in and see if because you're buying a used car, you get to see if that particular model has any problems in its history. You know, maybe its flux capacitor never seems to work properly. So you can be sure and avoid that model. What's that? <laughs> Back to the future. Oh. <laughs> you're also going to be able to buy a used car that has a higher model level At a price that would be similar to a brand new car, you're not going to get all the same bells and whistles. So you'd be able to get, you know, those power windows or heated seats or whatever in a used car, where if you're buying a new car for the same price, they might not have all of those same kinds of upgrades. By buying a used car, you can get more upgrades for the same price. Our last one, number 10. Buying things that are quote-unquote on sale. Yes, of course, buying things on sale is a terrific option when you're trying to save money. However, the reality is that certain items are actually made to be sold at a lower price point. They were never intended to have the MSRP or the manufacturer's suggested retail price of the higher price. So there's plenty of stores that literally have tags on it where it will say... The price is $29.99 with a cross on it. The minute it comes into the store, there's already a line across it. We're really going to sell it for $15.99. The stores that do that are never really intending to have you pay $29.99. You just feel like I just got a savings of about $15. The item was never worth the $30. It was only ever worth the $15. For example, outlet malls used to move products that had not sold in their regular stores, and then you could go buy them. The purses are last years, for example. But then they started realizing people were waiting to buy their products at the outlet stores. So they started coming up with their own line of products that were only sold at outlet stores. They were never in their regular retail store. And by having a cheaper product out there and not necessarily as great a quality as their regular stores. People were still buying them because they were less expensive. And that just gets their company brand name out there. So if you start seeing a whole bunch of Under Armour shirts, you might start thinking Under Armour is a great product because everybody has it. But they have it because it was in the outlet store, not because it was the top exercise outfit, for example. They started creating cheaper products to put their names on to be able to get that goal of having more people wear it. 50% off of an overpriced item is really not a sale. It's just putting it back down to the price that it should have sold at. And we fall for that 50% off. If that's not, you know, if it was meant to be sold at that, that's not a discount for us. And it goes back to making you feel good too,
1: because you see it. Oh, I got such a great deal. And now you feel happy about that. But in reality, it wasn't really a good deal. It was still too much.
0: I don't know how many conversations I've had over my lifetime with people who say, Oh, I saved $40. Well, how'd you save $40? Well, it was because, you know, not that it was actually on sale. It just had a different price marked on it. And they knew that they were going to sell it for that price. So just buyer beware and understand what the cost of something is, is the quality amazing and you're willing to pay more for it than, then pay for it again, if it's in your plan, buy it. But if it's something that you weren't planning on getting and you buy just because it's on sale that's the time you might want to be considering if it's if it's really worth it to you anything else <laughs> that's all thanks for listening to finances and ten bad money moves we know you chose to listen today and we are grateful if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and share and consider leaving us a review because it helps bring financial education to others and it helps them find us more easily please let us know what questions you'd like answered by going to our website at financesand.net You can now find infographics on these topics on our website and here in the show notes, always consult a tax accounting or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. Remember I went to school so you don't have to.